my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. He turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. I'm saying that you cannot say that numbers collected at the employer's place of business reflect simply the employer's policies. Those, no those numbers reflect underlying conditions in the whole society, just as numbers collected at a hospital do not show you that people are sick because they're in the hospital. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're tuning in to The Unveiled Patriot with yours truly, Travis Masterbone, and this is combo number 29 with Sheriff Mark Lamb, the legendary Sheriff Lamb. How's it going, Mark? Good. I don't know about legendary, but yeah, good, man. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty legendary. Not too bad. Uh, yeah, we've met a few times, and I've been pretty persistent, to say the least, so I can't thank you enough for coming on. I just really wanted to pick your brain, and I saw you speak not too long ago. You're actually a really good speaker. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah, and you. you. And you got some comedy up your sleeve, too. It was pretty hilarious. It was a lot of funny <laughs> I stuff. I try to take... I try to take the uh, people through a roller coaster of emotion, you know, make them happy, tell them some serious stuff, give them some hope, um, tell some more jokes, you know, that I think that that seems to be a good recipe for people. Yeah, I forget which one that really cracked me up where they were like, what are you going to do when you become U.S. Senator and you stood up? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're, you're, you're definitely loved by the people here, but for those that uh, do not know who you are, who are you, what do you do, and what do you represent for Arizona? Yeah, Sheriff Mark Lamb. Uh, I'm a constitutional conservative. I believe in God, family, and freedom, and uh, I'm the sheriff of Pinal County, Arizona, which if you don't know where that's at, it's between Phoenix and Tucson. Um, we're the size of the state of Connecticut land-wise, population of about 500,000. Uh, I've got about 650 employees and a budget of over 50 probably close to 55 million dollars so yeah that's who i am and uh been the sheriff now for six years six years right right on right on and uh so pinnell county um so there's a lot going on about the border now more than ever and that's the primary thing that i wanted to discuss today and i needed someone that's uh, boots on the ground and a bit familiar with the people that are supposed to be handling and people who were handling it. But, you know, with your own eyes, what did you see um, uh, when you were visiting at the border? What do you see in regards to how uh, local officials are handling it? Uh, give me just a little background on your thoughts about our border right now and for the you know years you've been sheriff. Well, I mean, first and foremost, the border is a disaster. Um, this is one of the major issues America's facing. I don't think most Americans realize just how detrimental this is to our country, um, to the, our way of life, to, and, you know, they think they're being, a lot of people think that letting people in unfettered is, is humane, and it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. um, by, by talking about open borders, not having a solid border, you're encouraging people to come to the border and then they're being taken advantage of by the cartels. The women are being raped, children being separated from families, used as pawns. 
and mind you, it's not us separating, it's not Border Patrol separating them. The cartels are separating those children from those families, um, extorting the men, forcing them to carry drugs. And really, this is not an immigration issue anymore. This is this is an, uh, a human trafficking and drug trafficking issue. And I think the sooner that Americans understand this, that's what it's about, um, mm -hmm. the quicker we can get to where we mobilize and stand up and tell our government, hey, look, do your job, which is what I try to do on a daily basis. The previous administration under President Trump, he did a great job. Like their policies were working. Uh, the last year, 2020, I think it was 400,000 apprehensions is all. We're seeing that almost every month now. We're seeing about uh, 250,000 apprehensions, but then another 50, 60,000 gotaways. So we're over 300,000 people minimum that we know are coming into this country. Um, and and you don't, that's not even counting the people that came in completely undetected that we don't know about. So definitely a problem. And I know we're probably going to talk about the drugs that come along with it. But I mean, this is a major issue for America and, and we better wake up to it quick. Yeah. And so the thing that we're we're seeing a lot of polarization right now, and I think there is a lot of people who are still on like if you hear this conversation about the border, people will dismiss it like, oh, that's just right wing exaggeration. Right. And so, I mean, it's a easy it's an easy question through my eyes. I've seen it firsthand through videos and speaking with people such as yourself. But what do you tell people who just think it is just a right wing talking point that it's not real? Is it real? And then explain exactly how it's a problem in regards to illegal immigration versus like immigration as a whole, because Trump got a bad rap for this. And myself included, I judged him initially. But, you know, go go down the rabbit hole with those questions real quick. Well, this is a major problem in a lot of sense. Like I told you, people are being abused on a daily basis. So what I tell people, I say, look, do you care about human beings then you should absolutely care about what's going on on the border. You know, eight of 10 women are coming across the border being raped. And I tell this story. I say, we look, we ran into a woman uh, several months ago and she had a baggie full of pills and there was like 50 pills in there. We said, what are these pills? And she said, uh, I knew that when I was going to cross the border that I'd be raped multiple times. These are morning after pills. Unbelievable. Like where did we lose our moral compass so bad as Americans that under the name of politics, because your political party uh, is okay with open borders, that we're going to allow this type of behavior. We're going to allow these women to be raped. The children are being used as pawns and oftentimes being raped as well. The men are being extorted and forced to carry drugs. I just, this is not the American way. And I try to explain to people, put that into context for them and make it real for them so they can feel the impact that it has. And then I transition into the amount of fentanyl being brought into this country. The leading cause of death in America right now is fentanyl. Mm -hmm. It is killed. It is between uh, those, the leading cause of death for Americans between the ages of 18 to 45, I should preface that. Um, over 100,000 people have died. These are civilian deaths. These are men, women, children, teenagers. Um, just in the, the state of Arizona, we had 33 children die uh, in the last year seven of them were under the age of one. Seven of them were under the age of one. One of those should be too much. Mm -hmm. We've had seven just here in our state, and that's due to the fentanyl poisonings that are going on. And that's so I just, talked about that as well. And that's just fentanyl, right? We're not even talking about meth, cocaine, prescription drugs, all these other things. They come along with it from the border, correct? Absolutely. And so 
most people don't understand what the cartel is doing is they're putting fentanyl in all of the products, uh, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, uh, marijuana. Why? Because they want you to be addicted the very first time you use their product and you're much more likely to come back to it. And then the third thing I always talk about it is I just put it into real terms. I said, you know, like with you, I would say travel, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a congresswoman from the state of Washington and kudos to her for getting on the phone with us in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, she said, well, what about all the good people coming into this country? And I said, yeah, they're definitely out there. I said, but if I were to ask you, Congresswoman, can I put 10 people in your home? Five of them are good and five of them are bad, but I can't tell you which ones are which. Would you do it? And she was silent. And I said, you know why you're silent? Because you know you would never do that. And I said, well, let's, let's take it even a step further. Let's say that there was one out of 10 that was bad. And you, I couldn't tell you which one, but that they were a, a child molester, a sex offender. You going to be okay with that? And once again, she was silent. I said, Congresswoman, you're silent because you know that you would never do that. Why is it okay to do it into our country? And I said, yes, there are good people trying to come here. We have a process in place for them. They're welcome to follow that process. But as long as there's bad people mixed in with them, my job is to stop them all. And because I can't take the chance of knowing who's good and who's bad, I don't have that ability to do that. So what I have to do is stop them all and encourage those people that want to come to this country to do it the legal way. And the last piece that you talked about, the question is, we are undermining those people who are waiting, trying to do it the legal way. We are, we're, we're shortcutting them by allowing people to come here illegally. And, first, and we're sending a message to them. The first time exposure to our country is that our laws don't matter. Are you kidding me? Like that's all, I mean, look, I could go on and on, but it is a major problem. There's so many aspects to it, but it is as real as the day is long. And anybody who says that it's not, frankly, is either naive, completely ignorant. I don't know. I mean, they're just, they've been hoodwinked by the media and the government because it's as real as it can get. And uh, we all as Americans should have a problem with it, no matter what political party you are. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm seeing these uh, contemporary issues uh, rise up and it seems almost like, wh- why is this a left versus right thing? This should be everyone's on board America thing, especially when you uh, dissect everything you just said there. And I think these politicians, they put themselves in a corner. Uh, they're uh, like trying, they're, they're too scared to say the truth because they already have a voter base. They're trying to appeal to a certain crowd. And I think that congresswoman that you were speaking to is a prime example of that. And so I mentioned Trump. Uh, there was so many times where I would come across things that were being reported by the media that just weren't true. And the one that always stood out was the Mexicans are all rapists and murderers. And that's his and that's the, and they click and they think, oh, that's the reason why he's building the wall. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. And it's just sickening. There's so many different reports that we could go down with the media, but I think that's a big problem as well. It's how they're reporting it or just not reporting it at all. Uh, so go into how the Trump administration made a difference. Well, they worked with law enforcement. They had a, We had a seat at the table as a sheriff here in Pinal County, Arizona. I was fortunate enough to go to the White House 10 times. Mm-hmm. Like that that means you got a place at the table. He's listening to law enforcement. He stood behind the border patrol. He empowered them. 
He empowered law enforcement across this country after an administration that had done nothing but tear down in law enforcement. Um, President Trump came in and fixed that. And I think that's large in part why you saw a lot of success is because he allowed them to do their job. He also built the wall. Look, the wall is not the end all be all mm -hmm. for border security, but it works. Like it definitely works. It is a major deterrent. You need to implement technology. He pushed for the Remain in Pro Mexico program. He pushed Mexico to where they became a partner and he didn't have to push that hard. Um, there were so many things that he did and he clearly sent a message throughout the world that says, don't come here unless you're planning on coming here illegally. And he wasn't, sometimes, I, you know, people misinterpreted the media certainly took hit what he said. There's a poem by Rudyard Kipling and I might quote it a couple of times, but it says, if you can watch the words you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. And that's what the media does. Mm -hmm. It twists those words to set a trap for fools and I think President Trump was the victim of that a lot of times. Um, the majority of the people coming here are not people that were super affluent or, or major contributors to the countries they lived in. Mm -hmm. um, they, were, they were people that were struggling in their own countries and now they've fallen on us and we're gonna be left to take care of them now. And we're not in a position to do that as a country. So I think that was the message trying to be conveyed is that we're not getting doctors and lawyers. Um, we're, we're typically getting uh, the people that may have been homeless in their own countries. Um, there were, there are a lot of criminals mixed in um, and, and there are some good people too. I mean, I, I'm not negating that. Right. And it's, and there's just people that just get taken advantage of, like you said. And I think again, I, I, the idea that they can just cut people who are actually waiting in line to me is just the biggest red flag in how I position myself with this border situation um i heard recently from mayor bowser in dc i don't know if you've seen this clip going around how there's buses coming to dc with these migrants and she's saying that they're being tricked like i, I don't quite understand the logic behind it but are there buses of migrants that are coming across and going to different destinations and cities like how exactly does this work i mean i heard about the 51 people that died in the San Antonio truck. Did you hear about that story? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so how, how does that work exactly? They just load them up in trucks and they just find open spaces on the border and they have specific destinations or uh, get a little bit detailed on how exactly these cartels are operating with these people coming across. And it's not just Mexico, right? Different countries, Guatemala, Honduras. Oh, far more than that. 160 countries, okay. Russia, um, Middle Easterners, uh, Haitians, Africans, Brazilians, they're coming from all over the place. Uh, how does it happen? Arizona and Texas are busting them out there. That's how it happens. That's mm. what she's referring to. It was all fun and games. There wasn't an issue with border before they showed up in DC, but now in their backyard, the now that she's having to deal with them. It was okay when Arizona and Texas were having to deal with the problem or any other state. But heaven forbid it be on her doorstep now. This was the design. Like, this is what Arizona and Texas were trying to do by busing these illegals. If you're okay with them coming in, then let's bring them over to your house and let's let's have you accommodate them. And now all of a sudden she's, and if you read her article, she says, I feel like they're being tricked into it. She doesn't have any proof. She's just putting it out there. And this is the typical uh, leftist way of doing things is, let me just throw it out there and let people believe that it's true she just said i 
feel like they're being tricked into this. They're not being tricked into it. And I find it ironic that this person, she's, she just doesn't want to come out and say, hey, don't send them here because she knows it'll backfire on her. Um, and so what does she do? She tries to spin it into saying, eh, they're tricked. They're being tricked into coming. They're not. They're, everybody's signing a waiver, getting on the bus on their own accord. And uh, now they're having to deal with them. And now all of a sudden, it's not so much fun and games for them. Yeah, exactly. Because politically, it doesn't align with their audience and their voter base. Um, you, I, I heard briefly uh, the replacement theory stuff, since we're kind of on this topic right here with the media and the Democrats. Uh, they love to shout out that the white supremacy thing um, and this whole replacement theory, they always refer to Tucker Carlson, but he wasn't saying that at all. It's not an outlandish idea either. If you've seen Gangs of New York, uh, when people were coming over in New York, you would see guys handing out cards for their political party to try and reel in immigrants and convey them to be voters in their, in their party. So I don't see how it's such an outlandish theory that maybe they're a little bit okay with porous borders to increase their voter base, not necessarily that we want to preserve our white culture in their in their mind. So what do you think about the replacement theory and the, just their ideas of us trying to pre preserve our white culture, which is just ridiculous in and itself? I mean, I, that, that, that's their first go-to. Anytime they don't like what you're saying or if you stand up, you're immediately a racist, um, <laughs> which is the dumbest argument there is. It's honestly an ignorant argument and they make it far too often. Um, I don't see any of them down here trying to save these folks coming into this country. We have never mistreated. We treat these folks with dignity and respect when we come in contact with them. For them to claim that this is racist um, is, I mean, look, they're the party of racism. I guess if anybody should know, they have historically always been the party of race. And the, by by constantly claiming race, aren't they not belittling those same races by saying, hey, you're not capable of, of dealing with this, so we're going to go ahead and fight the battle for you. And I just, I yep. mean, I find it ironic that these people claiming racism all the time typically are the ones exhibiting racist behavior. Um, but you know what? Look, it's this is their, their attack mode. This is what they do. They feel like that sticks and it, and it hurts you. And they just beat you down until you you have no voice, you know, and that's their attack mode. They literally um, do that. <laughs> they literally yeah, I mean, do like, that. Every time I say something that is contrary to what they think, it's I'm a racist or I'm a renegade or, you know, it's, it's a lot of times they've said he's a constitutional conservative. It's like, well, I swore the same oath to protect and defend the Constitution as every one of those other politicians. Why are they asked? Why are they not asking them why they're not upholding their oath? to protect and defend the constitution. Uh, but we live in bizarro world, honestly. You're not gonna convince these folks that, I mean, the sun is shining bright as can be today here in Arizona. And I actually had a, a reporter, I know I'm kind of getting off tangent, but I had a reporter are. from the British broadcasting system come down and we were talking about a lot of things. And, and in the end she goes, you know, why do you have to be so political? I go, I'm not political. I'm just responding to protecting the people's rights in the constitution. And because of their actions, it's deemed by as political. I said, but I'm not being political. I don't, I don't really care what party you are. I mean, I just want to be a great American and I want people to take care of this, the country that I love. And she says, um, well, don't you feel like your voice as strong as it is? You might be, if you were to just maybe not 
say as much that, that, you know, maybe that would help. And I go, so let me get this straight. If I walk out and tell you the sun's shining and then you try to tell me, no, it's not, that it's cloudy and it's about to rain, I'm going to be like, no, the sun is shining. Like, I'm not going to let you skew reality or the truth just so that I, so to go to get along, to go along, to get along. I, I'm sorry. I have a firm policy, no compromise with evil. If I think what you're doing is disruptive to America and freedom and what is righteous, I'm going to stand against it. And I'll be honest with you. What I'm seeing from, from this administration, from the left and from so many people out there, just by their hateful and attacking behavior, tells me everything I need to know that I'm on the right side. And um, I'm going to continue to stand here. And if people like it, great. If they don't, um, great. Right, go on about your way. Yeah, and I would assume that most of the Border Patrol agents and ICE, they're just trying to do their job, correct? I mean, we had that entire uh, abolish ICE sequence and kids in cages, and it was it was being compared to like Nazis at the time. Like, describe your interactions and um, how the Border Patrol actually is and what ICE does and how they've been misrepresented. Border Patrol and ICE, those guys do a, an amazing job, those agents down there. It's funny how you don't see those same political uh, Congress people in Congress and Senate coming down to the border now to talk about these kids in cages, even though there's like 10 times more, or 100 times more. They don't come down there and make an issue of it now. Why? Because politically, it's okay now. They're, they're the, their person they support is in charge, so let's not rock the boat. The reality is, is their policies have created more unaccompanied minors than ever before showing up at our border. And they want you to believe that Border Patrol is the ones um, separating those families out. Look, that happens very few and far between. The reality is the majority of these, we had 100, I think it was 15,000 unaccompanied minors last month alone. These are kids that the cartels have taken and using as pawns, stealing, purchasing, and they're using them to, to bring other people across the border only to cast them aside here like a used pair of shoes. So, I, you know, if, if your party or your belief system is to stand up and protect the cartel's right to abuse humans, I have no place for that in my life. I'm going to stand up for those people as much as I am for the American people but I'll always put America first. Yeah, and this was just another stupid lie that I uncovered, the whole kids in cages stuff. And sure enough, that uh, those cages were built prior. And it's just the reporting now, it's specifically at border agents, like that stupid article uh, where they're whipping the Haitians that are coming across, but they're not whipping them. You remember that uh, story? Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, they got accused of that and shame on even the president jumped on board. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. They don't do their, you know, the federal government in Washington doesn't do their job. The second somebody tries to do their job, what do they do? They attack them. They yeah. attack those guys. And then it turns out after a long investigation, I don't know why an investigation like that took so long. It was clear it was on video. They didn't do it. The mm -hmm. reporter who filmed it said they weren't whipping them. Um, but they didn't want to just come out and dismiss it because they wanted to use it as fodder fuel. Um, you said something. I'm going to tell you, there's three things you'll never see the Congress and Senate or politicians in Washington fix, in my opinion. 
They won't fix border uh, security or they won't fix immigration. They won't fix um, abortion and they won't fix guns because they want to be able to fight every, every election cycle. They want to be able to use those as hot topics because they know people get emotionally charged about those things. Mm-hmm. How long have we been talking about the same things? Yeah. Decades, decades. And yet now you have a Congress and a Senate that is all aligned with the same party as the president and they could easily be getting things done but they're too busy passing big, huge pork bills to, to pad the pockets of their buddies and the other rich friends that they have while pretending to be uh, on the side of the common man. And unfortunately, I think majority of Americans are starting to see through the ruse. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so on this administration, I mean, Kamala, Kamala Harris is never there. Joe Biden is never there. Um you know what like are, they're going to keep the immigration alive is this why they are never there and never actually implementing some serious policies um like how much how much more wall needs to be built and how does that kind of reallocate resources for you guys to or for the border patrol agents to do their job uh, a little bit more effectively and then again i guess you already answered it but why isn't this administration doing anything do you remember what their slogan was in 2020? Uh-huh. It was to reinvent America. Uh-huh. And then their whole budget, their whole bill that they wanted to pass was build back better. Right, right, right. So whenever you talk about reinventing something or building it back better, you have to destroy it and rebuild it. There's no better way to start to destroy America than to open the borders. You can go back through history and find different people that will talk about a borderless nation is never going to succeed. You know, I'm I'm paraphrasing, Um, but you're there. This is designed to disrupt the system. Um, There's an old Chinese proverb that says you can catch fish in muddy waters. So you muddy up the waters and make it easier to catch fish. They are undermining the rule of law when it comes to the border. They're flooding our communities with crime and with people that who knows where they came from. Mm -hmm. Um, They are flooding our communities with dangerous drugs, especially drugs like fentanyl, which are poisoning American lives every day to to the tunes of hundreds every day to where we end up, we're gonna probably gonna be 150,000, maybe even 200,000 in the next year of fentanyl over, uh, I don't wanna say overdoses, they're poisonings. yeah, if you look at it, when you talk about reinventing America, they're they're right on target, man. They're doing exactly, in my opinion, what they've set out to do. And um, undermining the border is one of the key places they can start to do that. And it makes us look like we're overwhelmed. It makes it look like we can't do our job. And let's take away the power from the local law enforcement and let's just have the federal government do it. Um, start to look at things from that perspective and you'll start to understand and it'll make what they're doing makes a lot more sense. And I, I frankly, I just, that's not the way the founding fathers set this country up. Mm-hmm. The power was to the states, the local authorities, uh, and the federal government was there to be a support unit just to keep the union together, provide for an army to protect us. But the power and the authority should be with the states. Yeah, you see the ideology. They want that top-down federal control. And when you actually really take a step, a huge step back and see all these issues, it really does start to make sense. And so once upon a time, we were fine uh, with immigrants coming over because they were productive. They were looking for, um, you know, liberty and freedom. 
But what has changed? I mean, I love Milton Freeman and how we have turned ourselves into a welfare state. So we hear all this um, about giving free stuff and benefits to illegal immigrants, especially from Newsom in California. Expand upon that. Is that actually occurring? Are we welfare state? Um, are we a welfare state country for these illegals that come in? Because I interviewed a nurse that was definitely um, confirming that during COVID, they helped a lot of illegal immigrants for free in their hospitals. And she was hopping around in Yuma and, and uh, all down there. And so go into that. Yeah, you're, I mean, that is, it is becoming a welfare state. Um, and I think that's by design. It's a class, they want to create a classless system. Uh, hold on, let me make sure we got you back here. No, you're all right. I had to plug in my uh, charger so I didn't lose you. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, they are creating a classless society, you know, where it's just the elites and the paupers. And, and by bringing in and flooding the system with more and more paupers, you know, it starts to delete the middle class more and more. But I will tell you, the majority of the people that are coming here are still coming here to make a better life for themselves. They want the American dream. The fact that 300,000 plus people show up to our borders every month should absolutely kill any notion of the mainstream media and the politicians in Washington to when they tell you that this is a terrible country or racist country. Because mm -hmm. if we truly were, none of those people would be coming here. But they're coming here at unprecedented rates. Why? Because America is still the last bastion of freedom. Mm -hmm. It is still the last place in this world where you can become something. In one generation, these folks coming here can turn their lives completely around. And so I still wanna believe that the majority of the people coming here wanna make a better life for themselves. Now, our government wants them to live off of, of the, uh, be a welfare state. If you, I challenge any of you to go and, and study how Rome fell. Um, and one of the major ways was we be, they became a, ve a big time welfare state to the point where the poor people started having a very strong say so in government and changing the way it was done people stopped enlisting in the military um, men were dressing like women all of these things are right in line with what we're dealing with today and it happened at the actually the end of their second century um, we've gotten a little bit past that but a lot of these things mirror very closely to how Rome fell and we better wake up or else we could end up in the same thing. But yeah, to answer your question, before I went on a tangent, is yes, it is partly to become a welfare state, to diminish the middle class, make it more poor people, and then you're rich and then let the government take care of the poor. Um, and it's also, but I still wanna believe that freedom still rings in this country and there are still a lot of people coming from all over the world that want a piece of that, the American dream. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if we were so evil and so oppressive, no way in hell are these people fleeing here. And it's really quite remarkable how some people just cannot answer that question. It's so much hypocrisy. Why do they continue to come here if this place is so bad? Uh, so we, we know the drugs are a problem, human trafficking, the welfare state, um, just the fairness and humanity aspects of it. But then also we didn't touch base on crime. Uh, how prevalent is it, especially for these border states, when we talk about crime and uh, illegals coming over, 
and how does that play a role in everything? Well, I think you're going to see an influx of crime all over the place. I mean, there's um, there's a lot of bad people that mix in with the good people. Um, a lot of people that may have been criminals and that are they're they're used to living by taking advantage of other people. Um, we know there's groups like MS-13 and other dangerous, violent gangs coming mm -hmm. into this country. Um, and you gotta you gotta be naive to think that there aren't people coming to this country that that hate America. Yeah. We have caught in the last, I think, in this year alone, they've already caught 50, 50 people that were on the terrorist watch list. 15 last month alone, and so. You got, and how many came through that you didn't know about? And how many people did we catch that just weren't on the terrorist watch list that hate America and want to do harm to America? It only took a few handful of people to orchestrate 9-11. And we've let way more of that, way more than that into this country already. So you're going to see, I think it opens us up to some terrorist activities. I think that you're going to see crime increase. You're going to see people get more and more frustrated. Um, and people who are living in poverty, I mean, they're going to eat whether they steal it from you or purchase it or whatever they do. I think it just, it, it, it really provides and breeds for, uh, a, a rise in criminal activity. And we're seeing that in the, in the major cities. Now people are feeling like the rule of law doesn't, isn't as strong anymore and they are not afraid of it anymore. Yeah. So we've got to get back to that, that point where people are, are you know, they don't want to go to prison. They want to continue their, their way of life. They're not going to commit crimes. Yeah. And so correct me if I'm wrong. They seized over about 11,000 pounds. Like this is just of seized fentanyl. And so the, the thing that bang home, like imagine all the drugs they're not seizing. Imagine all the terrorists they're not catching. I had a buddy, a Mormon. He uh, did his mission down in Mexico and he was talking with some people firsthand. And he said, there's a lot of people that do not like America that are not Mexican pretending to be Mexican and just basically go up there, find their way in and they just sit idle and wait. That's right. And I'm just like, That's that right. is a terrifying thought, but regardless whether it's just complete fabrication or not, can we please just have someone checking people in at the door? And I always tell people like, don't you want, don't you lock your door at home? You don't want people to just keep coming in. Think of your country and the border as like a door that is just wide spanking open, right? And I, I just don't understand how people don't get that. <laughs> and how do you process seven to 10,000 people a day? Mm -hmm. Think about going to a basketball game, you know, filling up a basketball stadium. Think about how long it would take to fill that stadium if you had to stop and iris scan everybody and get their name and get their try to find out who they were, maybe run a soft background check on them. I mean, you wouldn't get a hundred people, you wouldn't get a, a thousand people in, let alone 10,000 people a day. Um, th th it's breaking the system. I'll be honest with you. It's really doing some damage to America and you're the morale, the morale amongst the border patrol and ice agents and CBP agents is, is in the tanks because they're trying to do their job and then only to have the federal government you know, in Washington, D.C., bureaucrats completely undo it or hold them accountable or charge them or threaten to take their jobs away when they don't do it the way uh, the Washington wants them to do it. I mean, we're just we're ripe for a problem. Yeah. And all the crime that it could lead to so many other things with the 
defund the police rhetoric and then the fentanyl also contributes to a lot of the homelessness especially in san francisco uh, a buddy of mine he's a cop in phoenix he's literally saying our homelessness is getting out of control this leads to more crime but a lot of these people out here they're like zombies this is a prime like and they're not even old right he's saying they're in their 30s or their late 20s and they're looking like zombies out there and this is a product of these drugs and he's like where do you think they come from they come from the border and so i i ask you know i'm I'm still learning and touching up on exactly what our state can do versus the federal government. But in this situation, you know, where is Ducey? Um, what exactly is Governor Abbott doing? Like, can't these states kind of uh, help out a little bit more than they are? Or are their hands tied? What's going on with all that? And what's your thoughts? Well, you know, you take Governor Ducey. He did. He's He enacted the, the uh, National Guard a while ago. But the average citizen thinks that when you talk about the National Guard, you're sending a troop down to stand there with a gun on the border. Mm -hmm. And that's just not what it is. A lot of your National Guard units might be clerks. Maybe they maybe they're they run trucks for the whatever unit they're in. Maybe they're engineers. I mean, not a lot of the guys are what would, would deem as a traditional infantry soldier. And so and then then again, you've got can the governor really just put soldiers down on the border? Um, and so I think the governor has tried to do some of that stuff. We've been, but we've benefited. We've have um, national guardsmen in our aviation unit, helping us in dispatch, helping us in records. They were helping at our jail. I mean, so we've, we've benefited, which is in theory designed to, to loosen up some of our resources to be able to continue to go out and combat this on a daily basis. The other thing is, is the guys, the national guard has no arresting powers. They can't just show up and arrest people. Mm -hmm. And there is no law on the state books that allows for us to arrest people for coming into this country illegally. That's a federal crime. Mm -hmm. And so that's why Texas recently claimed, declared an invasion, because now that gives them the ability to act um, on a local level and protect their state and send people back that way. So I see, I see. I, I think the governors, I'm look, I would never want to be a governor in this situation. Like they're put in a trick bag. Um, and yeah, I mean, people are going to be like, well, they could have done more. Yeah, sure. I mean, people are probably saying that about me too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to do as much as I can. Like I'm burning the candle at both ends. Uh, I, I, I try to be as much of a voice as I can. I, I'm working hard on trying to protect our borders, but there's only so much I can do in the end. Yeah. And uh, that's a very interesting thing. And so I, I know Carrie Lake is running and she's just honing in on that. She's going to send the National Guard, send the National Guard. And I, I, I don't know what that looks like. So you just gave me a lot of perspective here. It's not just like Buckingham Palace Guards all lined up across the border with guns. Um, it, it's a bit more intricate. And so that would be the next thing I would ask. I'm like, why can't Ducey just be like, all right, it's an invasion. Like, does he not see that it's a problem per se and to take the how when did governor abbott do this it was recently right well and it wasn't governor abbott kind of got put into a tough spot because it was some of the local sheriffs and courts that said hey this is an invasion and mm -hmm. more and more started jumping on board and it, you know put the governor in a situation where um they had to make a stand and and do something mm -hmm. um look i I'm not one to sit and nitpick because I'm not in those closed door meetings. I, I've, mm. I've seen how rumors get going and things are turned out, you know, twisted around because people aren't in closed doors meetings with me. Right. And so I don't want to just, 
I don't want to speak for what they have or haven't done because I wasn't in those closed door meetings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave that up to the average voter or person to make their own determination. All I do is I focus on what I'm doing here. What can I do within my bailiwick? And I try not to stress about what the governor's doing or I don't stress about what the what they're not doing in Washington, D.C. Um, I, I do run my mouth about it, mm-hmm. but um, I can't let it affect my daily way of life. I still have a job to do. And so that's what I focus on. Right. And then so we have Jim Lehman. He's running for U.S. Senate. Um, and you mentioned that you don't really endorse people very often, but you really stand behind him. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about him and why you feel like he's a good candidate for us. And uh, yeah. You know, I've been a supporter of, of all candidates. I've been a friend to all. I, I, I thought it was important to give everybody uh, an opportunity to come down and see the issues we're dealing with on the border and as it relates to crime in our communities. And I wanted that opportunity to be extended to everybody. Frankly, if I would have had a Democrat candidate come and ask me to come out and walk around the desert, I would have done it for them too. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I would have, been, I would have let them film it um, mm-hmm. because it's about the issues. And so I, I'm very supportive to a lot of the candidates. Um, I, I've been, I probably know Jim more than the other candidates just because I've spent time around him prior to him even deciding to run. Um, I think he's a great American. He served this country. He's, uh, you know, he's a businessman. I think he could bring a lot to the table. I, as you mentioned, I don't endorse. Um, and I feel like it's important for everybody to come up with their own idea of who they want to support. Um, but I, I, I probably know Jim more than the other ones. And I think he's a great American uh, who has his heart in the right place. And uh, I could tell you other things about the other candidates as well that are good things. So that's what I try to focus on. I will say that I'm not a fan of negative politics and I feel bad because every time we get, we are our own worst enemies. Um, when it comes to Republican elections, we beat each other up. And then by the time you get to the general election, you know, Democrats really don't have much to do. We've done all the work up until that point. So Very true. I, my advice to all the candidates, governor, Senate, any position was always to say, you tell me how you're going to benefit me. I don't need you to tell me about how bad the other candidate might be. Um, that's not what I'm here. I don't, and I think the majority of people don't want to do that. Uh, but politics in America, the, the, the political advisors, that's what they know. They know to be negative and they, they think it works. And, you know, but going back to your question, I, Jim's a great man and a great American. Yeah. And so I've been in Scottsdale for approaching two years. And this is the first time, uh, like, like I say all the time before 2020, I didn't give a shit about politics, but I started to realize how important it is to get involved locally and know exactly who you're sending to DC to represent you in the Republic. And so this is like the most that I've really gotten into it and learning about the candidates. And I agree. I, I love all the candidates right now. Um, and you know, the negativity, I think that just comes with the territory. It's obviously elevated quite a bit. I see hit pieces all the time, driving up and down <laughs> Camelback road over here. It's crazy. Uh, but I think that's just part of the game now. And, and there's always going to be that little bit of a, we just don't know for sure. Right. They're going to tell yeah. us, they're going to tell us everything they're going to do. They're going to present themselves and it's up to us to just go with our gut. And hopefully they have some track record that we can kind of weigh in with. 
you know, like recently I took a picture with Carrie the other night mm-hmm. and I just said, we love Carrie. We've known Carrie for before she ran for governor yeah. and she's a great woman. She is a, she loves this country. She loves Arizona. She's, uh, she's got moxie. Um, and I, I had people messaging me like, I can't believe you like him. You're a Christian man. How can you like Carrie Lake? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, how can you endorse her? I said, I never endorsed anybody. Look, if you were to ask me about Karen Ropes, and I've spent time around Karen. Karen's a great, she's a very nice woman. I've spent I, I ate dinner at breakfast with her husband and her. I know her daughter. You have um, to pick sides. As well. You have right, to pick sides. Pick a side. And they and 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 if you don't like the person they like, they want to bash the other person. Yep. And look, I've been the victim of of things being said about you that were completely not true. And so I, I you know. I can just tell you, if you don't know the person, I would just, you know, caution you to reserve. You know, it's like your mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, do your research, do as much as you can, because you're going to dig up some type of dirt because everyone is going to, there. there's people that are hired that are just specifically there to figure out what dirt they can dig up on you and they're going to utilize it accordingly. Um, but what you mentioned earlier, the most important thing is to not beat ourselves up so much that we lose against Mark Kelly. And right. uh, what's your thoughts on Mark Kelly? I mean, again, I'm new here. I don't know too much about what he's done, what he's passed. I've seen um, commercials or hit pieces that he's just cited damn near 100% with Joe Biden's policies in regards to the border. Um, what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, I, I've never met him in person. I've spoke to him on the phone, I think once or twice. Um, I'm not a fan of, of his approach to, I, we've asked for more support as sheriffs on the border from our senators, and I don't feel like we've got it. They want to call and talk to you about it, but they're not willing to go out and actually make a stance against the president mm-hmm. because they want to be lockstep. And so I, I don't love that. I can't really speak to what kind of person he is because I've never spent time around him. I haven't met him in person. Um, when we spoke on the phone, it didn't go real smooth. Um, I, I, you know, I had issues that I addressed with them and we had some Frank man to man conversations. And in the end, we agreed to disagree. Uh, I don't know, in my opinion, I don't think he's right for Arizona. And, uh, I think we need somebody in there that's going to fight for Arizona and not just tell the political line. And that's what bothers me. Um, so yeah, I, I would hope to see a change in Senate, but it has nothing to do with him on a personal level. I don't know him. Um, it really has to do with what I've seen. And, and I haven't been pleased with his voting record either. It doesn't align with my values and what I want for America. Yep. So me personally, I want to see a change. So take that for what it's worth. Don't take, figure it out for yourself. I mean, that's just Mark Lamb's opinion. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I couldn't agree more, especially with the values thing. I think people need to really take a step back, analyze and critically think on what exactly do I believe in? Stop running from these contemporary issues that are going on right now, dissect both sides of the argument, and then just decide which one you really resonate with, what makes sense. I know the left just completely doesn't understand stats and evidence, but you know, <laughs> we're going to let that go as is. And, and so uh, just, just to close out here, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, you, you spoke a little bit about Alexis de Tocqueville and you said a great quote. I wish I could remember it, but you said it and it was pretty beautiful and brilliant. And Alexis de Tocqueville came from France 
to observe America, the greatness of it. They experienced the French, he uh, experienced the French Revolution, saw the disasters there. And so talk a little bit about that in closing. And then are you optimistic about America? Are we Rome collapsing right now? Or do you think there is an unveiling? Those are all really great questions. So <laughs> a couple of great quotes from Alexis de Tocqueville, which he was a Frenchman sent here by France to understand the American penal system and what made America great, the constitution. One of the things he said, which is applicable now is, he said, America will, th will, will continue to survive until Congress realizes it can bribe the people with the people's money, which is what we're going through. Definitely. But the quote you're referring to, which is, I agree, is what has made America great is it's, it's righteousness. And Alexis de Tocqueville had a quote where he said, I search for her the, America's greatness and genius in her commodious harbors and in her ample rivers, and it was not there. I search for it in her fertile fields and in her boundless prairies, and it was not there. I searched in her uh, rich mines and in her vast world commerce, and it was not there. It wasn't until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I discover her genius and greatness. America was great, not America was great because she was good. And America, if America ever ceased to be good, America would cease to be great. Mm -hmm. And so that's really it. What has made America great has been our goodness and our ability to espouse good morals and values. And we've gotten away from that. We're not as religious as we used to be. Um, we are, we don't treat each other as good as we maybe once did. I think there's always been, you know, disagreements, but um, what has made America great is the fact that we are good. And what I would hope and pray is that we get back to, uh, more righteousness in this country because that really is what has made America great. Alexis de Tocqueville saw it 200 years ago and we need to get back to it if we're going to survive. And your last question is, are we going down? Absolutely. We are mimicking the fall of Rome, but do I believe that we will fall? No. I believe that in the end, the constitution will win the day. If you look, I, I talked about um, Rudyard Kipling's poem. And he says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Um, everything looks some days, it looks horrible. And, but I will tell you, the harder they push for federal, you know, more and more federal oversight, the more opportunities the states are now having to reclaim their sovereignty, uh, which is getting back to what the founding fathers set up. Mm -hmm. these, these leaders, they're not leaders. These people that we've elected, have exposed themselves over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And if you really look, the court cases, when they've been challenged, the court has held strong and the constitution continues to win the day. So don't let the media and the politicians make you think that great things aren't happening either. And I'll just, I'm a Christian, so I'll just tell you this, the greatest, greatest example of triumph and disaster. I mean, winning makes you soft, losing makes you hungry. Um, there's the greatest example of triumph and disaster is Jesus Christ. His crucifixion was the worst thing to ever happen to this world. It was also the greatest thing to ever happen to this world because it opened the door to the atonement and the resurrection. So um, we still live in the greatest country in the world, and I have hope that it's going to continue that way. But we've got to we've got to get our 
homes in order if we're going to continue to be the greatest country in the world. Yeah, all of that was fantastic. I couldn't agree more. And honestly, my unveiling and my continued research and learning, I'm just further discovering how brilliant these founding fathers were in putting checks and balances uh, against tyranny, just everything from the branches of government to the electoral colleges to the states themselves. Um, yeah, I do have faith as well. I am optimistic. I was kind of worried you were going to be pessimistic because of the Rome example, but I truly believe that we're actually turning. There's a lot of people that are just like me that are becoming a bit more awakened. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I cannot appreciate your time uh, enough, sir. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm pretty persistent, but uh, where can people find you if they don't know, know where to find you already? Anything you want to plug, go ahead and say it. Uh, Instagram is American Sheriff. On Facebook, it's Sheriff Lamb, which, by the way, I just got my Facebook account back. They had me, and uh, I, I thought I was going to lose my, my Sheriff Lamb page. Uh, Twitter, which I don't use, is Sheriff Lamb1, Truth Social, American Sheriff, at American Sheriff, and uh, americansheriff.com. I also have a book called American Sheriff, Traditional Values in a Modern World, which you can get on Amazon. But I'll tell you what, if you want, support us. Go buy it at sheriffswife.com or americansheriff.com. We'll send you a signed copy. You can also get my wife's book, which is The Sheriff's Wife, Holding All Together Behind the Scenes in Politics. So nice, that's nice. where you can find us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me all that. I will put it in the description for people as well. Um, awesome. Well, thank you again. Appreciate your time. Good, sir. Thank you for your service and everything you do for this country. Um, appreciate it. Thanks for coming in to the Unveiled Patriot. Officer uh, Sheriff Lamb, thank you again. Signing out. Thank you. God bless.